Good morning. My name's Jamie. There I am. <laughs> I'm glad to see you guys. If this is your first time, I'm one of the pastors here at Summit Crossing. I just want to welcome you on this absolutely gorgeous morning after that interesting uh, Chick-fil-A race weather yesterday, if you were able to make that. Um, had a good time, and we ended up getting it in. I, I don't know how that happened. Somebody was, some, I got a few texts for somebody said, hey, Jamie, we go up to the square and lay hands on it so that it would, it would not rain. I'm like, I don't, I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> but we'll pray for it. We'll see what happens. Um, we're starting a new series today, just like Dave said. It's called Simplify. Um, it hopefully will make sense what, what that word simplify over the next three weeks. Um, it may just be for me. I may be doing this entire series just for myself. So I'm glad this, that we're in this uh, together. I hope the Lord uses this to build us up. Um, no matter if you're single, if you're married with four children or more, or if you are retired, if you live in the 21st century, which, which you do, all right? Okay, just making sure you're with me. Which you do. Um, you have the potential to become bombarded with a frenzy of chaos and busyness. You have no time for the things that are truly important, right? And you fully believe that you don't have enough time in the day to get everything done that you have to get done. Much less do you feel like you have time to contribute something of value for the kingdom of God, and therefore you have no time to be generous or patient or hospitable to the driver in front of you. You've got to get where you have to be because you have expectations on you that you may have put on yourself, that somebody may have, else may have put on you. And so your days start to blur together, right? And finally you rest. But you rest just so that you can get up and do it again, right? That, that's the way it feels sometimes. And so I will say things to my wife like, it's just a season. And then my wife in all her wisdom says, Jamie, seasons end. This is not a season. This is a way you've chosen to live. And then I have to say, that's a poignant point. <laughs> that you have a point there. Um, so we're going to explore over the next three weeks what changes could be made to our lives after reflection to learn to sit and to learn to listen to the Lord. And that that would enable us to follow Jesus more closely, to live on mission, right? If, if we are to live on mission, it is imperative that we learn how to rest. And we're going to talk about that today, how to truly rest. So we're going to cover today Sabbath rest, prayer and fasting next week, and then finally uh, gospel and tech. It's going to be an interesting uh, third week to that. And so by the end on that third week, we're going to do some kind of fast uh, together. Just call you that. You don't have to do that. This is something that you, this is an opportunity made uh, for us to fast together in some form or fashion. It's to, the series is really to help us set a posture and posture our hearts uh, to study the book of James. That's the next book that we're going to go through. And if you know anything about the book of James, that if you just jump into James, which is very application heavy, right? It is action oriented. It is do this, do this, do this. If your hearts aren't ready, if you haven't been resting, if you haven't been receiving and understand who you are in Christ, what he has done for you, you're, you're, you're going to think that the Christian life is just about doing stuff. Like, if I go adopt somebody, then I'll be a Christian. If I just go and give money to the, the poor, uh, then I'll, I'll be a Christian. And you'll, you'll misconstrue, you'll get confused that actions equal Christianity when actually, when you are a Christian, the actions come out of the heart change that's already occurred that James makes an assumption of. All right, so we, we have to sit and we have to listen and we have to soak 
and be saturated in the Word. Um, I want you to maybe even take a little bit extra time at home and see what it looks like to maybe soak in the Word a little bit more. We're, we're going to hit this a little harder with some books. So every week we've got one or two books for you to, if, that, if you thought, man, I wish I knew a little bit more about what you're talking about. Today, uh, the name of the book is Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And just talks, and they're going to be for sale out in the, uh, the lobby area afterward if you're interested in that at cost. Um, crazy busy. Um, the next week, when we focus on prayer and fasting, uh, it's A Praying Life by Paul Miller. It was kind of epic changing for me um, how to not just pray before meals, but to kind of have a life of prayer. You intentional with prayer meditation, and then you have active prayer, passive prayer. It kind of walks through how do you live a life of prayer. Um, very helpful for next week. And then uh, the final two, I left my copy at home. I was reading it, <laughs> and so I left it at home, actually. But um, the other one is 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Rinke. Um, that'll be out there uh, in the lobby afterwards. And then the Gospel or the TechWise Family um, is very helpful, very practical. This is a very practical book. The other one is more philosophical and how our phones are changing us because everybody's got one and it changes kind of the way we interact with one another, what we expect out of the world, etc. So those are some extra uh, resources in case uh, any of this kind of catches you and you're like, oh, I wish I, I had a little bit more information on that. We want this series to help create space, that you can create space and margin in your life so the Holy Spirit can move, that we get our hearts can be filled with his majesty and power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, which causes us to love him more. And then the result of that is that we love others by making disciples. So there's always an end that we're thinking this through. So today, here are three, our three points for today. What is Sabbath rest? Is it just Sunday and I just, you know, just that's it? Or is it more, is it more than that? What is Sabbath rest? Why don't we rest? And number three, it's hard work to rest well, all right? So, you know, do that gospel flip thing right there. We'll, we'll get to that, right? Um, have some fun. So, what is Sabbath rest? So, I, I don't usually do this, but I have three points under my first point. I don't usually, you know, hide them in there, so you don't think you got nine points, but uh, I did today. Um, first, uh, what is Sabbath rest? So, it's three things. It's a gift, it's a command, and it's a test, all right, it's a gift, it's a command, and it's a, it's a test. Um, Genesis 2, verse 3, we read that uh, just a little while ago, or Dean did. It said, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Rest, Sabbath rest, is a memorial to creation. It's a, it's a gift from God. It's for his children. And, and the word Sabbath actually means to stop. It's to, to stop. Like you're working, 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 Stop. That's what it means. It's a period of rest established and modeled by God himself in creation. God rested. Was it because he was exhausted from making and doing creation? And you're, No, God doesn't get tired. That's the right answer. He did not do it as a result and a reaction to being tired. It was to demonstrate how life is to be lived by his children. Right? It is another way that we, as his children, image God to the world. It's a functional way to image God as we stop, like he said and like he modeled. Do you know what the first thing that Adam and Eve were to do the day after they were created, right? The sixth day, God created man and animals, and he filled the void of the land. Seventh day, God rested, right? And so God's seventh day is man and man, human, men and women, their first day. 
So their first day, they don't go, hey, work in the garden, get going. We got to get that garden going. And the first day was rest. Look. Take it in. Be amazed. Worship. That, that was the first thing. And, and, and if you kind of study Hebrew culture, what comes first is letting you know what's most important. Uh, first, uh, you see first son or first fruits of this. And, and so the first thing that they were to do, and most important, is to rest the whole day. Look at what God has done. This is what you're created for. It's a gift that you don't earn. Look at that tree. That is amazing. Look at how that, he, what's a tree? Why, why is it green? Why is it brown? I, I like the colors. They, they, that's why, that's, I, and to just kind of look and just be amazed at things. How wonderful God must be if he created these things. And they weren't tired yet. They were to take in creation, to, as it were, breathe in before they breathed out and work in the garden. Work and rest are both gifts from God. Do you believe that? (laughs) Genesis 2.15 says that God put man in the garden to work and to keep it. And that happened in Genesis 2, happens before Genesis 3. That means it's before sin entered the world. It's before the fall. Work was created, and work is good according to God. Work is not a result of the fall. I know many of us may may think that, right? Sin results in a disruption of our relationship to work. So rest and work are to be complementary. They are to come alongside one another. They are both gifts. They are not opposites, okay? Sin has distorted why we work or how we view work. And so Christian work, to be a a Christian worker, one who works as a Christian, according to one author, is is to to, to, to be fruitful transformation of the world through human effort and skill. So you take your human effort and skill and fruitful transformation of the world to serve our shared human needs and to give glory to God. That, that's why we work. It's to serve one another in the world and to give glory to God. It's not just for paid people. This is for people who work in the home. This is for retired, if you're able, if you're disabled, if you're able to work because it's tied to the image of God. It's not just trying to get money. That's not what work is about. That's a, a, a product of that. It's not why you work. It's about the dignity of humanity, right? God created you in his image. If you're able to do that, you do that. If you're not, that's different. That's not the normative that's set up. And so we're looking at these creation or or big overarching ideas. But with the fall now, we view work as toil. And we get them mixed up. See, toil is a different kind of word. That's all toil. It kind of sounds like what it is. Um, uh, Psalms 127 verse 2 says, It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, when I was in high school, that was a memory verse, right? Because I would focus on the part, does not wake up early, that's vain. And so, you know, I, I had a Jesus juke ready for my mom. So that I'm like, look, it's right here in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to, it's vain for me to do that. But that, that's the wrong part to focus on. So what the verse is really getting at is that we're working and toiling for what we need while God desires to bless us. He said he even desires to give us and in some translations say, in our sleep. Give to us in our sleep or give sleep. And so God desires to bless us, but we're going to work really hard and we're going to work hard for ourselves. And that's the other side of it. 
And so we've got rest is a gift. Do we see it as that? And then we see the other side is rest is a command, right? It's not, it's a gift and it's a command at the same time. Exodus 20, this the big 10, right? It's number four on the vertical commandments of the Ten Commandments. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This is for the children of Israel coming out of Egypt whose culture, they needed a hard reset because they're coming out of this pagan religion with no regard for the creator of the universe. And they needed to be reminded of, here's who you are, here's who God is, here's how God made things, and this is, what, this is how we live. You were slaves, that you worked every day, no longer. The Lord will provide for you, you are his. Right, and so evidently this, this rest can grate in us uh, so that it, it re- actually requires a command. It, it requires a commandment to, to show you how important it is that you do rest. Now this is not an excuse to be lazy. This is not an excuse, to, oh, well, I'm just going to rest. There's a balance between work and rest, and rest is not laziness or a pass to sit around. Rest is to be purposeful and worshipful. And it, they had, you know, the Israelites had festivals, and they had parties, and they had Sabbaths. They had holy days. They had this rhythm, this pattern of learning how to rest and how to work and to do both unto the Lord. There was a pattern to it. Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You weren't created just so you would sit and undergird this commandment that was given. These commandments are not there just so that you'll keep them. Oh, God's up there. He made me a command. I just want to see if I'd do it. That's, That's not the spirit of the command, right? We need it. And so like a good father is like, you need to rest. I need to be worshipped. And both of those things go together. If you don't rest, there will be effects. Not only physically, with tiredness, some of us get a short temper, get grumpy, and other fleshly responses. We're less productive over time. You get back and neck pain. You have physical manifestations. I know I do that. I'll just tense up. I just turn into Batman. I can't turn around. My neck will just tighten up on me, right? Like, what, are you, what are you dealing with, Jamie? Ah, you're right. I'm, I'm doing it again. <laughs> and spiritually, your faith isn't going to grow because the less you rest, the more you trust yourself. You will rest. You're created fragile. You're created mortal on purpose so that you would trust God and look to him. If you don't choose to rest, your body, your mind, or your emotions will choose it for you in some form or fashion. If you wait until you have to rest and it's from exhaustion, I'll tell you from personal experience, you waited too long. Burnout is not God's will. And burning the candle at both ends constantly is not God's will. Now, I understand every once in a while, and there are truly, there are seasons. I, I joke about the seasons. There's times for that to happen but it's not the normal. I mean, Jesus would stay and pray all night sometimes, but the normal pattern was set in creation. And that's why we look to it. And he gives a command to reinforce it. And so, like I command my children, I'm like, hey, you need to do this. This is good for you. You need to do it. It's because I love you, I'm going to tell you, it's time to go to bed. 
It's time for you to rest. Because you know what? If you go to bed at like 11.30 and you're a six-year-old and you do that regularly, I don't want to be around you. Because you're grumpy, right? And you're just going, there's no logic, no what. It's just raw, pure emotion, right? I know that. And so here's a good boundary for you. I'm going to help you go to bed. I know what you need better than you do. You're six. Go to bed. Am I mean? Nope. I'm loving. And I really am. Rest is a gift. Rest is a command. And rest is a test. That's a good one. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, Therefore, don't be anxious. This is Jesus speaking. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And we know this verse, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To rest as a pattern in your life is to say with your life, I trust you, God. I trust you. To build your church, to build this family, to provide what we need, to give me my daily bread, my clothing, to take care of my reputation, uh, uh, to the safety that I need, the approval that I need, the level of comfort that I need. I will rest, and when I do, it says, I trust you. I don't have to constantly earn what I think I need. If you remember again the children of Israel who this command was originally written to, we're in the wilderness. They were hungry, right? And God sent manna from heaven. You remember this? It happened every day. Manna, what is it? It was, it was on the ground, and it was like this bread-like, honey-like substance, and they would, it would feed them. Do you remember what happened whenever they would collect more than they needed for the one day? They were trying to save it up or store a little bit, or, you know, it's Friday. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's Thursday. I don't know if we're going to get enough on Friday to make it through Saturday, so I'm going to get a little extra. I'm going to work a little harder, a little bit longer, and I'm going to put it in my basket. And you know what would happen to it? It was spoiled. I mean, it full like worms and stuff. It's like it was not eatable, not edible. To rest is to trust God for tomorrow. And it says that you say that with your life because rest magnifies God. It takes the focus off of yourself. It trusts him to do what he says he'll do to not work and just get a little bit more. And remember from Haggai. Our hearts never quite have enough. So if you just listen, oh, I'm just going to listen to my heart. I mean, be careful. <laughs> be careful. So rest is a gift. Rest is a command. Rest is a test. Are we trusting the Lord? So why don't we rest more? Point two. Why don't, why don't we rest more? A couple of ideas, maybe a misunderstanding of rest. I mean, it's, it should not be lazy, and it shouldn't be legalistic, right? We should be in between those two ditches to fall into. We shouldn't fall into either ditch of being lazy or being legalistic. Because there's this cultural expectation now that Sunday's just like every other day, same business hours, minus one hour. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that. Like, you know, Monday through Friday, we're open from uh, 10 to 10, and on Sunday, we're open from 10 to 9. And I'm like, man, that's a way to celebrate, you know. Thank God for that worker. You know, <laughs> I don't understand it. But culture pretty much disregards Sunday as a day that we all observe. Okay. And that kind of works its way into our thinking. Or maybe you grew up and you're kind of legalistic about Sunday. 
you know, and, and you're thinking, it's just right here, and it's just on this Lord's Day, and the Lord's Day is not Saturday, it's sa- Sunday, because I read in 1 Corinthians that they worship on the first day of the week to honor the resurrection, and so we, we've got to do it that way. That's not descriptive, that is prescriptive, and we've got to follow it to the letter of the law, and if you go out to eat after church, then you're breaking that, you know, so you can swing all the way the other way, right? And there, there are people that believe that, and so, okay, that's a preference, that's fine, don't beat me up with it. But I don't want us focusing so much on the particulars uh, or, or, or the mechanics of it and miss the entire point of it. We don't just come home from church and take a nap, which you may want to do. That's great. And then just sit in a chair uh, until it gets dark, lest you accidentally work. Whoa, oh, I, th- I think I, I just did something. Did I work? Did I work? I don't want to ask anybody. That might be work. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't want to make it too crazy. I kind of grew up thinking like that. You know, I was like, did I just do it? You know, I was, I was so scared. Uh, I had this terrible idea that I was going to ride my bike. Uh, I had this terrible recurrent. This has nothing to do with anything. Anyway, I, I think it's important. <laughs> I'm just going to tangent just so I'll just say that. But I, I would have this terrible recurring dream. And I was riding my bike in like eighth grade and I just go off a cliff and right before I hit the ground, I would curse and then I'd die and then I had no hope. Do you, you ever thought like that? I mean, like, oh, am I gonna, am I blowing it again? And I'd like, ah, and like when I learned grace, I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you, Lord. The cross, is, it is powerful. You know, it's not just up to me and, and having to cover and, and, and hurry up and take care of everything. I'm like, oh, I mean, that was a huge deal for me. And to understand that it's not just about how well you keep these laws, that it's about trusting what Christ is done. I'm like, oh, I can breathe. I, can, I, can, I think this Christian thing is, it's impossible outside of you, but in, inside, it, boy, you're graceful. You're gracious. You were so loving and you poured that on me. I remember just waking up to that. And I remember thinking, wow, maybe I can actually rest. Maybe I can actually trust Jesus. So for some of you that you have a desk job, you know what? Rest is not going to be sitting around in a chair reading a book. I mean, I'm up here. I used to have a pretty physical job when I was out of my car up and down, and I was lifting things all day long. And so what I wanted to do was not that again, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're just constantly picking up things, but if you're sitting at a desk and you're like, you know, I've been thinking all day. I'm emotionally spent. I don't want to go and, and, and just, you know, read a real tough book. I need to get out in the garden, and I need to dig. I need to do something with my hands. I want to go you know, like, my, you know, break something or fix something or, or work on a car or dig up some dirt or cut down a tree. I want to go do something that will give me a release spiritually and emotionally from what I normally do because that's what I need to rest from. And if you have a physical job, you may need a nap. You may need to read a book or to watch a movie, right? And so we're going to rest in different ways. Rest includes leisure, but it's not limited to it. All right, it includes that, but it's not limited to it. It's not just taking a nap. Rest should restore. Right? Its point is to be replenished, rejuvenated in your soul. Right? It's not just taking a nap so that now you can go get tired again. Right? That's, that's not the point. We missed the entire point of rest. It's to restore our souls. And so maybe it's a misunderstanding to think that rest is, is being lazy or it's unnecessary. Therefore, we overplan because we don't want to be that guy, right? Too many activities for our kids or for ourselves. And then we run ragged to keep up with the, the plans that we've come up with, and we think we have to achieve them to be okay. 
I just want my child to be well-rounded. I mean, I've used that. That's not bad in and of itself. But am I panting, driving all over town to make the next practice all the time? Sometimes. Is it really a season or is this a lifestyle? And you feel bound and trapped by culture because you love your kids or you, you, you love the things that you do in your hobbies and the groups that you're in and you want to be involved as much as possible. So test, we, have, we have to think about those things. Uh, do Haggai. Consider your ways. Test yourself on that. Odds are, I think through this lens a lot, is my child getting a scholarship? I don't think so. They have my genes. I didn't get a scholarship. I didn't even get considered. I wasn't that good. <laughs> you know, you know it's a, what are we doing? Where are some middles? Why are we pushing so hard? What are we pushing so hard for? Let's reconsider our goals. What is the end goal of being tired all the time? <laughs> we must understand that rest is for our restoration of our soul. God set that up. He gave us a command. It's not because he's mean. It's because he's loving. Maybe we have misaligned affections. The things that we love or our goals are, are wrong, right? For many people, being busy is a choice. It's not just a response. Maybe you feel kind of trapped and set up, and I'm trying to do all this, and so I've got to get here. I've got to be at all these things and, and take my kids, and I've got to do this, or I've got all these expectations from these social groups that I'm part of, or my job is just really demanding, and I've got to do this, and I can't stop that. And maybe on the other side, busy is a choice. You know, and we don't think so, but you know what? Deep down, we kind of like being busy. Now, we complain about it. Don't get me wrong. and We know it's not right. But there are a lot of demands on us. And so we complain about it, but secretly we like it. Maybe because it provides a shield to really examine our lives. It keeps us from actually having to examine our lives. Or we may wear it as a badge of honor, proclaiming our competency. So some people will use it as a shield. Ah, if I stop and sit down, there's, I just can't really think about what's going on in my life not right now, so I fill it up with busyness. Or on the other end of the spectrum, look how busy I am. I'm important. I'm really good. I'm competent. I can juggle lots of things. I can handle life. And those comments, if I just get one of those comments every once in a while, like, I don't, Jamie, I don't know how you do all you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. It's in our hearts, man. I catch myself with that. Whatever you throw at me, I got it. I'm not somebody crushed under the weight of life. You're about to be. I'm somebody you want on your team. I'm getting stuff done. This is how we kind of have this mentality that's similar to feeling pressured to have kids and a bunch of stuff, right? Well, I, got it. I got all these sports and all this stuff I got to get to, and I'm like, oh. And that's what we'll say. And what we want at the core of announcing how busy we are is admitting that our need, we have this need for human approval. That's what the core of that could be. Or you're in prison, and you're trying to decide, how do I manage all these expectations that are on me? 
So don't, don't hear me just saying, oh, everybody that's very busy is terrible people. That, that's not it at all. It's a misunderstanding of what we're aiming at. How do we reprioritize? How do we, how do we set the kingdom as our goal and let those other activities come alongside and support our goal rather than be our goal and we add the kingdom underneath to support that? Does that make sense? One nod. Okay, okay, all right, all right, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> I want to make sure. I can, I can back up and do it. That's just a half page. Not a problem. If busyness has fooled you into thinking that you have to be like that or that you are choosing it, either, either one, you've got to learn to rest. You've got to. It's imperative. It's a command. And that's why it's there. It's for your good. If your goals are misaligned, we need to change them. How do we do that? We must work hard to rest well. And it's going to take a lot of work, especially in our culture. So the irony is you got to work hard to not work hard, right? That's kind of the, the feeling that you get, that, that if we understand that our desires and our actions to reflect the gospel understanding of, of Sabbath rest, what do we do? All right, my first thought, and like I said, this was kind of to myself, was re- repent is an easy one. There's an action step. What, do I, what am I repenting of exactly, Jamie? And what does that word mean? <laughs> um, to stop. To turn away from and turn toward God's plan. So we can repent from not resting or we can repent from not seeing a need for it. And we can repent individually or we can get in front of our families, men and women, and say, This is something we need to think about. Why are we doing what we're doing? Do we need to have new goals? Do we need to revisit what's important? Are are we being served by these activities so that we can live gospel lives? Are we serving these activities? Right? Are we being used? Are we using the activities? Which is actually happening? And we can look at what's called a Hebrew day planner. This is uh, based on a book by Randy Frazee a long time ago. We actually went through this as a church about 10 years ago. <clears throat> and so just to give you the idea of it, back in the Hebrew day, similar to our day, there were 12 hours of light and 12 hours of dark. Right? Very similar to our day. If you're in Genesis 1, it's time after time it says, there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning, the second day. There was evening, there was morning, the third day. Does that how many times? All of them, right? So it's given us this pattern of there was evening and there was morning. Is that our day? No, our day is there's morning and then there's evening. It's just the opposite, right? Because we wake up and we go to work and we hit the ground running. And the Hebrew day, the mentality, the philosophy, the thought process was the first part of the day was 6 o'clock p.m. going into nighttime. It's going from light to dark. There's this shift, this mental shift in how they would think. And so what would happen was, instead of waking up and going to work, they would finish work and cycle down to prepare for rest and relationships. So from 6 o'clock at night until 10 o'clock at night, there are four hours of the Hebrew day that are dedicated 
to relationships. They, they would tell the, the, the creation story over and over again. They would share what happened from the day. It would be all around a meal. They had one big room, basically. There weren't a lot of partitions. They didn't have uh, small front porches and really large master bedrooms. They didn't have electricity. They, they, you know, the, the life was a little bit different. They didn't have the garage where you could drive in, close it down, don't have to look at any of your neighbors because your privacy fence is quite tall enough, right? We, we didn't have that lifestyle. It was a little bit different. And so it reflected what the creation was meant to, to reflect. And so from 6 to 10, they were dedicated to relationships. 10 at night until 6 in the morning is 8 hours prepared and dedicated to rest and sleep or getting ready for that or that process. Doesn't mean you're asleep at 10, up at 6. It just means some at 10 o'clock, like, just like at 6 to 10, at 6 o'clock you stop work. At 10 o'clock you stop relationship. <laughs> you know, and there were these hard stops built in. You start doing this. And so from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., there's just 12 hours this dedicated to productivity, right? To uh, tra fruitful transformation, if you will, of your family, your job, your neighborhood, and your city. And then when darkness hits, work stops because it had to because if you're a farmer and everybody was an in an agrarian society back then, in fact, electricity didn't come along until the 20th century, so this is a relatively new in all of history, this idea that we can artificially extend the day. Well, I've got iPads, and I mean, we just, boom, just taking off all the things you can continue to do when maybe you shouldn't. They're not bad things. But how long are we going to do them? Because <laughs> we have to rest. Because we're finite, fragile beings that aren't quite convinced of that. So it's six days of a week of work, and then one day set aside for intentional worship of God collectively, rest, and enjoying relationships on that day. And this is God's design for rest and replenishment, right? This is the way it's kind of been set up until recently. Now, you may not be able to help that. If you work a night shift, I get that. If you work at a hospital, it's good that those are open after, you know, 6 o'clock for me. I've been many times. I know the ER folks, you know. It's, I'm glad you're open. But we're talking about normative rhythms, patterns that are set up, founded in creation. What if you used a day each week to focus on Jesus, relationships with others, family, friends, neighbors, and took time to rest, replenish, and refocus? Do you think things would be different for you? I think one of the best things our missional community has done recently is uh, we took one night and we, we this, you know, don't take this out of context. We stopped studying the Bible. <laughs> we we studied the Bible all the time. That's all we've done. But we stopped and we, we played a game. Catchphrase. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Played it back in maybe that. Oh, gosh. It's, it's an old one. I mean, it's not the digital one. I'm talking about the one with the cards that you'd hit the button and it, you know, a little cardboard thing would flip around. And you would go, oh, it's, it's like this and this. And we had this big circle of like 20 people. And we was trying to do, you know, we're going to do guys versus girls. You know, you just have one of those moments. It was really fun. And we were laughing at each other, having a blast. And I think there was more family building in that hour, hour and a half, than there has been in a long time. It was just fun. And I got to see a side of people that I don't see when they're trying to analyze the Greek and parse it out. You know what I mean? I was like, oh. Dude, you make a really funny face when you can't see what the words say. And I'm, I got, I, I make fun of Tony and Belinda. They were sharing a pair of glasses. 
What? I can't say, give me that. I'm like, like, this is precious to me. This is just, it was beautiful. I'm like, that should be normal. We should be able to let our guards down. We should be able to be goofy in front of each other without losing face. We should be. And not have to have everything, oh, did you say the right answer? Did you use the, right, the proper term on that verb? Was that verb in the right tense when you said that? Not feel like you're going to get picked apart. We were laughing and resting. So what obstacles or barriers are blocking you from resting as God calls you? Did you know God's calling you to rest? Not to be lazy. To rest with purpose. To rest so that you can work well, to work well, so that you rest well, so that there's this balance to life, that you can thrive and flourish and not survive, not just barely make it, not, what, how, do, how do I, we answer a lot, hang on. I'm just, how you doing? I'm hanging on. How long have you been hanging on? Quit, let go, fall, and realize what got you there. Because you're going to fall on Jesus. And that's where we need to stay so that you can rest. Okay, here's the, here's the beauty of where this actually ends up. When you don't have time, or, uh, you, you rest on Christ. That's why we were in Hebrews. It's not just a physical rest, it's a spiritual rest that you cannot really rest without understanding what Jesus has done for you. You can take all the physical rest you want, take all the naps that you want, do all the hobbies that you want to do, and enjoy yourself and glut yourself on vacation and travel and time down and naps all you want, and it will not fix the real problem which is that you're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to do it some other way other than trusting in who Jesus is and what he has done. And so we say, so there therefore remains a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest. There's that gospel flip. You're working hard to enter rest. How do you work hard? How do you do the works of God? John 6, Jesus, his his disciples are talking to him. He says, how do we work the works of God? He says, believe. Believe and you'll work the works of God. Believe and out, will you, out from you will flow the works because you just believe in what I've done for you. You don't understand. This Sabbath rest is not just a commandment. It's not just about Sunday. It's a part of creation and it displays the gospel to other people. They're all connected. It's a rest that starts with believing in Jesus and it gets fulfilled when he comes back. And so we're looking and we're longing at the same time. And so it's something that we say a lot around here. It's just not something God wants from you. It's something that God wants for you. He wants you to rest because it means you're trusting him. You're trusting Jesus. You're no longer trying to earn this. You're not trying to prove who you are or to make yourself something or to raise your name up or to prove that you're a good father or husband or parent or, or worker or you're good. At, you just drop it. And you say, what you say, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He's talking about the work to restore you to God. The ultimate need for work is what he did. Our work is a reflection of the divine work. It says, hey, he's done all that, and now from that, I can work, I can do all this stuff. I can trust him. And so we strive by trusting in the cross. That, that is what Christian rest is. The work is done. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who labor, who are heavy laden, who are just hanging on, you're just trying to make it. And he says, I'll give you rest. 
true rest. How does Jesus give true rest? He dies. He's laid in the tomb. He's raised again so that you could rest. Shows that you trust him to do the work, the heavy lifting. True rest is only found in him. And it'll take hard work for us physically to display the spiritual work that he has done. Because those are paradigm shifts for us. It's a different way of thinking. A Hebrew day planner and just some ideas on where do I stop? Where are the boundaries? What are the goals of my life? What am I trying to achieve? Where is God in that? If you could change one thing about your schedule right now that would move you closer to biblical rest, what would it be? So let's pray. If you're new here, we, do, we pray at the end and just take one or two minutes to look at three directives that are on the screen. The worship team will come on up. We'll take the Lord's Supper together. Just spend a moment, maybe repenting of the lack of rest or your acknowledged need for it. You feel like you're doing okay? Pray that the Lord would reveal what you need to drop to have an intentional rest built into your life. And then maybe thank God that he finished the ultimate work on the cross, allowing us to rest in him. Let's take just a couple minutes there.